This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hi everyone, you're listening to Thoughts and Theories on ORFM, where I'll delve deeper into the meanings and messages of films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Asha Amaasri, and let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Thoughts and Theories. How are you guys doing? I hope you guys are having a swell time so far. As you guys know, last episode we talked about Harry Potter and it was mostly just me venting and being unsatisfied, but I had way too much fun about that and like I said before, I want to keep talking about it. Um, so I'll, I just, I'll continue where I left off, but for those of you who don't know and are confused, if you don't have any context about Harry Potter or anything, I recommend you guys going, uh, to check out the last episode, uh, because that will probably provide you some context. Now I'm just gonna talk to you guys, um, as if you've already, like, if you've already heard it, or you have, like, any background information of, of Harry Potter, which I hope you do. Uh, but yeah. So, last time I was just uh, bashing Dumbledore, which I'll continue to do, uh, and, like, talking about Sirius Black's uh, trial, which I just, I felt so upset about, and um, Tom Riddle's upbringing, and, you know, stuff like that, and, ugh, ugh, I'm already getting uh, worked out about it, but at the moment, I don't, so we've talked about Tom Riddle's era, which is Voldemort, uh, and we've talked about not really about Harry Potter, but I think I'll, like, Harry Potter himself, but I think we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the Marauders era. And for those of you who don't know, the Marauders era is the era of Harry Potter's parents, which is, uh, James, the Marauders themselves is a group. They call themselves the Marauders. And that group is James Potter, Sirius Black, Peter Pettigrew, and Remus Lupin. As you know, James Potter is Harry Potter's father. Uh, Sirius Black is Harry Potter's godfather. Um, the guy who was, uh, you know, put into Azkaban without a trial. Uh, Peter Pettigrew, who was the traitor of, you know, the group. And also, um, like, the rat that's been living in the Weasley's household. As well as Remus Lupin. Or some people say he's Ramus, but I always called it Remus. I'm not, I don't I don't know about the actual pronunciation, but yeah, uh, Remus Lupin, who you guys might know as the um, Defense Against the Dark Arts professor in third year, I think. You know, the one where the school was attacked by Dementors. Yeah, he's the werewolf, Professor Lupin. Um, I like how they called him Lupin, like, because, you know, werewolf. <laughs> Or moon, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. So the four of them um, make up the Marauders. They call themselves the Marauders because they are, like, they're tricksters uh, and, like, sort of um, prank. Uh, like, they, they're pranksters and uh, they like to make pranks on other people. Also, if you guys don't don't recall, uh, I call him Snivellus in my head, which I know that's not his name. But I suddenly forgot his name. What's his name? Snivellus. Snape. Snape. 
Severus Snape, that's what his name is. Yeah, Severus Snape was also in the same era as um, that people. But yes, I'll, let me just give a little bit of background more on these guys. So, I don't recall exactly what I talked about last episode, so uh, bear with me if I do repeat a few facts. Um, I just want to make sure everyone is on the same page. Uh, but yeah, so if you guys don't know, uh, the Marauders era is... Obviously, after Grindelwald was defeated, and this is the rise of the Death Eaters. Well, this is the rise of Voldemort, and this is when he started recruiting Death Eaters and stuff. So, James's era, James Potter, the Marauders era also includes, like, uh, Lucius, uh, Lucius Malfoy. He's, he's already, like, he's already graduated Hogwarts, I think, but there's, like, Regulus Black, which is, Sirius's younger brother. I think this is probably going to sound mush to you guys at the end of this because I'm naming too many names. Okay, all right, wait. All right, I'll give I'll give some more context. I don't know how to make it sound like not confusing because it just makes so much sense to my head, and I'm just so recognized. I recognize these games, these names so much that it's just easy for me to remember. But okay, I don't remember if I told you guys this last episode, but there is a little bit of uh, discrimination and uh, I guess racism or is it bloodism, like purism? I don't know. There's a li- there's a there's discrimination uh, within the wizarding England, uh, wizarding England, right at that time, and that is um, talking about blood purity. There is the whole thing about being a pure blood a half-blood, or a muggle-born. A pure-blood means that your both of your parents are wizards, and therefore you have pure blood, right? They're wizards, but their parents are also wizards, right? They come from a pure, they come from, like, a family that has generation of wizards. Like, they don't touch muggles at all. And as you know, muggles are human, those without magic. And half-bloods are people with, who has one parent who ha- is a family of, like, wizards and another parent that is either another half-blood or a person with um or like a muggle-born and obviously a muggle-born is someone who has magic um but is born of a family or parents that don't have magic at all so you just you're the only magical one in the family and in this case i think hermione is a muggle-born because both her parents are muggles but she has magic out of nowhere. Harry Potter and Voldemort are half-bloods. In terms of Harry Potter, James Potter was a pure blood uh, in the Potter family. The Potter family is one of the sacred 28, um, which is something you guys don't really need to know if you don't know, but if you do know, then yeah, which is one of the pure-blooded families. But her his mother, uh, Lily Evans, she is a muggle, which is why uh, Harry had to live with Petunia Evans, or in this case, Petunia Dursley, because she married, um, she married Vernon Weasley, uh, Weasley, what? Vernon Dursley, right? But Petunia is Evans, oh my god, they're both Evans. Petunia is, uh, Lily's sister, right? But they're both, they come from a muggle family, and, uh, so Lily is a muggle-born, which makes Harry Potter a half-blood. Anyway, so now that you guys know about the whole blood supremacy thing like uh because people pure-blooded people they think they look down on half-bloods or muggle-borns they call they call muggle-borns i think i don't know if this includes half-bloods as well but they call you uh the i guess slur for it is mudbloods which means either they call your blood dirty because it's no longer pure which is obviously like uh 
like crap, right? <laughs> and it's like a, a huge like discrimination thing. Um, the thing is, the reason why I bring this up is because there is a theory among fans, and I don't know how canon it is, but it does make a lot of sense. Uh, there's a theory that there's no such thing as muggleborns because there's always going to be magical blood. Because there's only so many pure-blooded people in Wizarding England, right? Because if you're gonna keep, if you're gonna keep blood pure, then you have to marry within families that have generations worth of uh, wizards and witches, right? But as I've said before, there's only sort of 28 families that are pure and, like, uh, you know, one of those people. Uh, there could be more, of course, um, but I'm just saying it's so little, especially over the generations, and it's very, it is very common to marry um, your cousins. So, obviously, over time, that just gets closer and closer in relation, and it's just uh, interesting. And it's just, it's gone to the point where I'm pretty sure every pure blood is just related to each other somehow. Very distant, but you're just related to each other, right? Um, there's this headcanon uh, in, in uh, uh, like, the Harry Potter fandom that Draco has, like, webbed feet because he's an incest baby. Um, because Narcissa Malfoy, or, like... Narcissa uh, Black, her maiden name Black, um, and the Malfoy family—they're like like close relatives or something—and obviously she married into the Malfoy family, and that caused like a little bit of de like deformations on like Draco. Obviously, I don't I don't think that's true uh, about the diff like the the deformation the physical deformations on him, but uh it's just it's kind of funny for me to think about because yeah that's what sort of, it's obviously not great to be pure-blooded all the time if you're going to marry into the family right which is why oh you guys know squibs as well right squibs is basically people who are into what's it called are born out of magical parents but they don't have magic themselves they can't harness magic so here's my theory right or not my theory. Here's a head canon that is like uh, accepted widely in the Harry Potter fandom. Uh, my brain just died for a few seconds there, but yes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, basically, um, in pure blood society, it's like sort of a shame for you to have a squib relative because it's like as a, it's seen as a weakness and like disgusting or whatever, and you're sort of cast out of a family. Um, and you're taken off of the family tree, right? My theory is those squibs live in muggle society, right? And obviously they have no magic and they live in muggle society like a normal person. They marry muggles and then they continue down until no one knows about magic at all, right? In the family. And this just, then this can go down for generations to generations to generations. The thing is that magical blood will still, or like blood essence, that magic will, you know, pass down the generations until someone will be born um, with magic, which in this case would create a muggle-born, which implies, if this theory is true, which implies that, uh, there's no such thing as muggle-borns, there will always just be magic, and Hermione, while her parents may not have magic, maybe her grandparents or her, like, grandparents before that, maybe one of them was a squib, or one of them was a wizard or witch and uh like their next children just didn't like there must have been a squib at some point in her family line that passed down that magic to her because it makes sense 
doesn't it? Like, um, logically speaking. Of course, I don't know how true this is in actual Harry Potter lore, but I like to choose and accept that it is true. Um, because it would make sense. Because there's also another thing that I've heard where these pure-blooded families struggle to bear an heir right? Which means they can't have, it's, it's so difficult to have more than one child. You know, they're so, they're so uptight about blood supremacy that they would want to have more than one kid, right? Um, but it, like, have you noticed most of the pure-blooded families don't have more than one kid? Like, the Malfoys just have Draco. The Longbottoms just have Neville, you know? And the, um, the Zabini line only have Blaze, you know? Um, or Pansy Parkinson. The Parkinson family only, oh, no. Actually, no, that's a lie. I think Pansy has a sister. I'm not quite sure. But what I'm saying is a lot of a lot of family of a lot of pure blooded families only have one or two ears, which isn't enough sometimes, especially if it's like a girl, uh, to uphold the family name, right? And most of the times if you do bear a child, it's a squib child. Like it's kind of weakening like this all this incest marriages is sort of weakening the bonds of magic which creates the squib baby. Again, I don't know how true this is in Harry Potter lore, but uh, I'm accepting it as true because logically it does make sense, which is why half-bloods and muggle-borns and all that stuff are needed because magic is just inherent, you know? Because um, blood, there's like no difference in the color of your blood or anything. Blood is blood. It does not matter. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to introduce that head canon because it makes a lot of sense and uh, I want a lot more people to agree with me because uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people already do, but those of you who don't, hopefully this makes sense for you. Um, but yes, uh, the next thing I wanted to say, so obviously Lily Evans is a muggle-born. Petunia doesn't, didn't have magic, and she was resentful of that fact, um, but yeah, she married in, like, into the Potter family, and became Lily Potter, uh, and had Harry before, I guess, they died in the war, uh, which really sucks, of course. The thing is, a lot of people talk about the Marauders as if they were, like, these really great people, and, like, you know, they were someone to look up to, which I'm not saying they're not, but I feel like, a lot of people idolize these characters a little bit too much. Um, and they kind of, like, say that they're perfect and, you know, they, they, they're, they like, so fond of these guys as if it's, like, no possible way that they could ever make a mistake. And it could have something to do with the fact that they are war heroes and they died, like, trying to save people and stuff like that, which obviously makes a lot of sense and I'm not blaming them for. But um, us as the viewers, there's a lot of people who look at them and just think, ah, oh, these, these are so cool um, and they're such good people. But I think a lot of people forget the fact that they are actually human, at least, like, in the character's sense. Like, people defend... Because obviously, um, in during the Marauders era, there was uh, the Marauders versus uh, Severus Snape, who was sorted into Slytherin, um, and there was like them like battling out a lot, like they were kind of like rivals, the 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 five of them, and so people are always like siding on the Marauders side and always like spitting at Snape and saying all these bad things, and I'm not saying all of them are incorrect, but I just want to say like. 
I feel like the scales are a little bit in balance, just always, um, you know, siding with the Marauders and not seeing it from Snape's perspective. Because while the Marauders are the main characters, sort of, yes, and it, like they're on the main character's side, uh, which are Gryffindors and stuff like that, if you look at it from Snape's per perspective, they are huge bullies. And I know that is going to upset a lot of people, but like, hear me out, hear me out. So as you know, Snape is in the same, uh, is in like the same uh, schooling years as the Marauders, and uh, he was also from an abusive home, and he was best friends with Lily Potter, no, or Lily Evans at the time, because she was yet to be married. Um, the thing is, uh, the Gryffindors have such hatred for Slytherin, or the snakes, as they call it, as many call it, um, and think that they're untrustworthy. And James Potter obviously had a crush on Lily, and took it as an affront that Lily, a lot of the times, would rather hang out with Snape, or in this case, like, they like to call him Snivellus. I don't know if that's canon, or if that's just a lot of, like, or if I've read too many fanfictions, but I'll just, I'll just take it as canon and go with it. But yeah, they would always hang out with Snivellus, and, uh, they... Uh, and, like, I guess James took that as an affront, because cause why would why would Lily hang out with some snake rather than James? Because James was such a boastful character, and he came from a pure-blooded family and everything, and he tried all his... He tried his best, basically, to get Lily to be impressed with him, but Lily wasn't very. Um, and th that, like, you know, caused a rift between them. And Snape wasn't exactly a welcoming guy. He was really cold and he was really in towards himself and he didn't really interact with anyone. He was antisocial and um, by himself. So he made the perfect uh, victim for their pranks. And in the Marauder's perspective, that can be funny and that can be revenge for, you know, taking Lily's attention away from James and for being a general hole, I guess. But that still doesn't excuse uh, some of the things that they do, especially what I guess many of people would come to know as the accident for the Marauders era, which is how um, Snape realized that uh, Remus was a werewolf. Because obviously monthly he would go to the Shrieking Shack to be his werewolf self and, you know, vibe there, I guess. Um, but uh, I guess... Snape was being really, like, Snape was real sus about the situation and was trying to figure it out. And I think it was Sirius or James. I think it was Sirius. I'm not quite sure. One of the Marauders had led Snape to an area to try and, to, like, you know, do this epic prank to, like, um, expose him. And that is how Snape figured out that Remus was uh, a werewolf because he almost got mauled and, you know, killed by him. And, you know... The Marauders obviously got, like, uh, like, was like, oh, that's such a, that's like, haha, such a funny prank and stuff like that. The thing is, it went wrong, right? Because when you're a werewolf and you're, you know, affected by the full moon, you're not exactly in control of your body because it's an illness. The werewolf part, the primitive part of your brain takes over. And all you want to do is just bite people. You just want to, I don't know, animal things, right? So he, um, Remus the werewolf had seen Snape as a threat and tried to kill him or tried to bite him or whatever. And James had saved him, which is what caused Snape to have his life dead. And because James died at the end of the second, um, wizarding war, uh, that life debt had turned to Harry Potter. Which is why in, um, the movies and stuff, Snape turned out to be like a 
double, triple spy who was actually oathed to, you know, keep Harry safe. It's because that life debt was transferred from Harry, uh, from James Potter to Harry Potter because he couldn't, you know, repay that while uh, James was still alive. When in fact, the only reason why this happened was because the Marauders had played this prank on him in the first place. And I believe uh, Snape was, I guess, threatened as well. Not exactly threatened, but Dumbledore didn't exactly deal with the situation nicely. Uh, he obviously, like, told them both off, but he had told Snape that if you don't want to get in trouble, you'll have to keep this secret of Remus, you know, a secret, or else Remus won't be able to go to school anymore. The thing is, Snape shouldn't have been, Snape shouldn't have gotten in trouble in the first place. He was led there, and he was, you know, he got there, he was there at the wrong time, you know, and he didn't know any better, whereas the Marauders did. They knew better. You know, they knew the risk that it could have taken on, um, on Snape, but they didn't get as, like, they really should have gotten suspended for that, or, like, expelled. Because if you think about it, like, if this was real, of course, they should have gotten expelled for what they did, because whether they intended to or not, whether they thought it was just a joke, like, it, it was just supposed to be funny, it wasn't supposed to go out that way, they knew the full-out risk of, like, why Remus had to be kept a secret, why he had to be kept away from society on full moons, okay? Because he is genuinely just a ravaged beast on those nights. If Remus had gotten a single bite on uh, Snape, then Snape would have had to live the rest of his life with this illness um, as a werewolf as well. And that would have ruined his life because, you know, creature rights aren't a thing because racism exists, um, which we'll talk about that as well. Um, and it's just, like, and also, if that was the lighter case, the other case is that they could have killed him completely, um, and that is not something that should be taken lightly, but it was taken lightly, and, uh, Dumbledore just, I didn't say, I wouldn't say he laughed it off, but I guess he sort of shrugged it off and just thought, oh, well, and just, yeah, maybe they got detentions, yeah, they got in trouble, whatever, but were they suspended? Were they expelled? No, and I don't think they truly understand, understood, even till after the thing happened, I don't think they truly understood that Snape's life was genuinely at risk, and as, like, obviously they're kids, it's still, like, what they did doesn't excuse their behavior, but head, the headmaster, as the adult, as the old, old man, within the situation, who knew about it, he did not respond to the situation correctly. And that is some- oh my god, I just hate Dumbledore. He's not- I'm not saying he's a bad person, but he's just made so many mistakes, and people just say he's just such a good guy, and yeah, he did fight for the war, and yeah, he was- his actions were good for the, like, greater cause. But for the small pieces, for the details, you know, for the- like, pawns in this big game of chess between Dumbledore and Voldemort, he forgets that these pawns in his game are real people. And, you know, they aren't just things that can be sacrificed and disregarded just because they are arguably not as big of a deal or, like, that important in compared to, like, other things. Because, yes, I know Voldemort was doing, like, really bad things as well, and that was running Dumbledore thin. And he's not perfect. It just feels like half the times he's doing these things saying, oh, it's for the greater good, you know? Like, it's just, ugh, it sucks, you know? Um, and I wish that a lot of these characters had gotten 
a lot more guidance than they did because Hogwarts is supposed to be a place of safety for these people and this doesn't just apply for Harry Potter the franchise but in real life as well I think as an adult um, or like as a teacher professor whatever if you've got wards if you've got children that are in your care like I think just to pay attention a lot more um, and children are just very observe like they they um they have very keen eyes uh anything that you say and it may be offhanded and it may not be but everything you say are like taken to them and they suck it up like a sponge whether that's knowledge swear words behavior good or bad they take in everything even if um sometimes it seems like they're not paying attention the things that you don't expect they they do pay attention to they take in and that will impact them for the rest of their lives so i'm not saying that you have to be good all the time that's why i think i have such major respect for teachers because it's just such a hard thing to do especially for growing kids they're hormonal they're annoying generally gross and they pick their noses and it's just ugh. as you can tell i hate kids uh but it's just i don't know i don't know it's just if you're gonna be in that profession uh then take it seriously i think uh and I'm not saying that there's no room for mistake. Of course. Of course you can make mistakes. Um, it's just for those who don't try, you know. For those who, you know, get, uh, I guess, this prejudice against you. You know, as teachers, you're supposed to be upholding the best morals, you know, and things like that. Which is one of the reasons why I hate Dumbledore so much. Because he's supposed to be one of, like, these people that you look, look up to and, you know, he's supposed to have the best morals ever and he's not supposed to let prejudice colour his views on the way things are. And I said this in the last episode, but he obviously had huge prejudice against parcel tongues and that is a form of racism or I don't know if it's a race, it's like discrimination, I guess. It is a form of discrimination and it's because he let that, like, um, revelation cloud his judgement that led Tom riddle to the path that he did i'm not saying everything's completely dumbledore's fault but he did push tom towards that direction uh when all he needed was an adult a caring adult during that time of development you know but uh yeah no that's that's that is just such that is another rant that I'll be repeat like I won't be repeating for you guys because you guys will be sick of it and you've already heard of it so um I'll let you guys uh get a little bit of a break I guess um and just you know take in the information that I've given you so far about the marauders and um I'll see you guys in a bit I was I'm 
before about creature rights that I kind of wanted to push in a little bit more. It's no secret that the Ministry of Magic um, weren't really happy about like what they perceived as lesser creatures to have um, more freedom and uh, like uh, I guess rights in general. Uh, because they viewed them as lesser. You know, I'm talking about house elves, centaurs, uh, vampires, werewolves. You know, any, like, all of these creatures have, sim- they have thought. And of course, um, some of the, like, with these creatures, y- there are, like, different ways to approach it. Because it is right to be wary of werewolves on full moons. It is right to be wary of certain vampires because, yes, their whole thing is sucking blood and surviving off of that. Yes, they need to be regulated, but what they did to these creatures aren't... aren't co- it, they say it's righteous, but it's not. And it is something that I find really interesting about this whole battle between the light side and the dark side, you know, because between this battle between the Dark Lord Voldemort and the Light Lord of Dumbledore, it makes it look as if in these two sides of the war, when it comes to morality, there is only black and white. That is what it looks like, right? But if you look at the bigger implications, that there that's not how the world works, you know? Most of the time, 90% of the things that we deal with are in the gray area. There are very few things, mor- morality speaking, um, that you can just say, ah, yes, that's a good thing for sure, and no, that is a bad thing, 
for example, uh, obviously with the house elves, as the name is says, they are elves um, that work in Hogwarts and just in any household in general. If you have them, um, they uh, they're like they're like um, servants, I guess, in the house. Like they do they do the chores, they do the cooking, the cleaning, you know, all that stuff. Except the thing is with house elves is that you don't pay them and they just do it for free. Right, and a lot of people mistreat their elves um, because they see them as lesser because they do these tasks, which is obviously um, like slavery. And obviously, when Hermione found out about this, I don't know, was it fourth year or third year? No, no, not fourth year. Fourth year was fourth year was the was the cup, the 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 Triwizard Tournament. I I'm pretty sure it was third year, mm, third year or fifth year. I'm not quite sure. I don't know, I don't know, but, you know, when, um, Hermione found out about it and she made her campaign spew, S-P-E-W, I don't quite remember what it stands for, but she wanted to do that for the right of elves, right, and that's when Dobby comes in and Dobby wanted to be a free elf, and, uh, basically you have to give, give them a piece of clothing and they are free from the bond, uh, because slavery is wrong. And uh, I've read a few fanfictions about, like, you know, world building and people making their own headcanons and, you know, versions about it, right? And there was a version about uh, the whole... This was a bashing Hermione fic, though, so which means that they were making fun of Hermione. Um, not that I hate Hermione, I love her. Uh, but this one, they were talking about how not everyone understood um, how house elves work, right? Everyone needs magic right they um in like some sort of way these are all creatures of magic and in um a lot of head cannons that i've seen is that house elves need to be employed by their employers right they need to do work they need to have this thing because the while it looks like they aren't getting paid and they aren't doing all this like and it's just not fair it actually is fair according to these headcanons because when you're bond when you're bonded to a family or a wizard uh their magical powers um are sort of symphoned into the elves because elves can't create they don't have their own inherent magic or even if they do um like uh, like wizard and witch's magic are just like food for them and it you know nourishes them and so that is their payment so it's sort of like an equivalent exchange, like a payment of service. Like, I clean the house, I do all these chores so that you feed me magic. That is my payment. Um, so they're not slaves, they're just servants, right? They Is it is servants the right word? Or is it, like, house workers? Um, I don't know. I don't know the right word. But, but they aren't slaves, because slaves are doing it against their will, and they, um, you know, they don't get paid. Um... And I do find that interesting because it, um, on one hand, it like, you know, deepens the lore of Harry Potter and people are like really thinking the, about the new, the small nuances of, um, uh, like of these magical creatures, like of day-to-day lives that I'm pretty sure J.K. Rowling either didn't think of or that she didn't put in her book because she didn't, like, it didn't, she didn't have a right time to put it in there. And I'm just like, hmm. I was like, uh, it, it is interesting. I do enjoy reading those books because it makes me feel not guilty. And that is the other side of it that I wanted to talk about as well. Because I don't think, I don't think that the, 
I don't think that's true. While that headcanon is really cool and I would like to believe it is true, I think a lot of the reasons why people say that, oh, the, uh, the house elves feed off of the magic, so it's okay to, you know, have them work um, in the house and stuff like that, I think it's because um, we're guilty as humans, we're guilty of wanting to live in luxury, of wanting to be able to do nothing and not work for certain things. Like in this case, doing chores, right? Like doing menial tasks. And we want other people to do it without paying them. Um, obviously, we all we all th- wish that we could get, just get something with a snap of our fingers. We don't have to cook. We just It just happens, right? And um, But obviously, when it comes to slavery, that is morally wrong because we are hurting other people to do it. it. But in this case, in this magical world where it technically doesn't exist, we can we can explain it off by saying, oh, we don't actually need to pay them because we're paying them with our magic, which wouldn't hurt us because we wouldn't consciously think about it much. It's our way of like giving a guilty explanation so we can still uh, live off of this luxury that we pretend we don't want to have, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I don't really know if I explained that well, but yeah, I, I hope that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, let's just pretend that headcanon is true. Uh, I do like it. Um, cause like I said, it makes me feel less guilty about the fact that there is a house elf that's always like helping me with these things. If it were true, of course, it would be cool if we had house elves, right? Like, uh, obviously we'd have to pay them because we don't have magic. Um, oh no, that's just houseworkers, isn't it? <laughs> lol yeah no i'm broke unfortunately so no i cannot have a living nanny uh nah I, i'm i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine you know it's not like i want a dragon or anything Ugh, i wish the magical world was true they're just they'd be so cool but at the same time i'm glad it doesn't exist because if it existed there would be so like harry potter would be a reality and like we're already terrifying enough without magic like hitler was like world like we get world wars like, ugh, we've got so many conflicts, and that is without magic. This is just weapons and our own ingenuity uh, and cruel attitudes, I guess. Um, with magic, oh my god, the world is going to die faster than it already is. But I guess that's fine. Magic can just stay magic in fake land. But the reason why I talked about Harry Potter, and it is old news now, but, um, like, by the time this comes out, it is old news, but when I first talked about it, it was new news, and I knew, um, I know the game, uh, what's it called? Uh, Hogwarts Legacy had come out a while ago, uh, when you guys are hearing this, it would have come out a while ago, and it is, uh, you know, it was the talk of the town, because everyone was saying, um, they were excited for it, because, like, I've heard a lot of good things, like, um, the graphics are really good, the storyline is good, and there's, like, part of, like, people wanting to do the dark, like, buying the packaged version, because you want to practice just the dark arts, and just causing absolute mayhem and chaos, um, and, I, I have seen it. It looks really cool to be able to cast these spells. The battle sequences are really nice. Um, but I know you guys aren't here just, uh, aren't here for the technical talk, so I won't give you that much of it. But the reason why I bring it up is because there is a lot of controversy around it. And that is mainly because of JK Rowling. Um, as you guys know, uh, if you guys are Harry Potter fans, Harry Potter has uh, disowned J.K. Rowling from her own fandom. And this is because J.K. Rowling has given out, for those of you who don't know anyway, uh, J.K. Rowling has like previously lit out statements of like homophobia, transphobia, and just general like 
like non-acceptance for like the LGBTQ community and um uh things like that that's the only thing that I've heard I think like I didn't I didn't go out of my way to search about it it was just like, I just know some of these things um but obviously when she made that statement a while ago she didn't I don't think she expected the amount of backlash that she did because she came out later to say that um she came out later to say that uh like, oh no, haha, just kidding, uh, because Dumbledore and Grindelwald are, like, they used to be a thing, like, they're, it's, like, heavily implied that they, they're ex-lovers or something like that, which, oh my god, is just, it's such a reach, it's just, it's such, she's trying so hard to, like, get readopted into the fandom and it's not working, because you can, like, you can tell that was her trying to mend things and she didn't actually write Dumbledore and Grindelwald in that way, she was just trying to save herself, um, but, like, she said it, so now it's canon, I guess. I I don't think it's canon. I, be, I, don't, I don't believe it's canon because she's just doing that to save her bum. But I guess anyone can, anyone can do anything with the uh, Harry Potter fandom, so you can take it as you wish because it is uh, a fictional world and fan fictions are a thing. So if you like certain things, read things with that. If you don't like it, don't read it. Um, so, yeah, if you do like Dumbledore and Grindelwald, being a thing if you want to do that if you want to do is it fantastic beasts era i don't know much about that yeah i guess check those out um but i just oh i just <laughs> find it hilarious in um that she's like sort of jumping in between these two sides the conservative side where she obviously truly thinks and the liberal side where most of her fandom lies and is trying to like gain back that following that she had previously lost uh but the reason why the game the Hogwarts Legacy game was such a big controversy is because J.K. Rowling had come out with a statement and said, if you support the game, then you support my, um, you know, my previous, like, views, or which is, like, you know, transphobia and homophobia and stuff like that, right? I don't think she said it exactly with those words. I don't know, but this is just what I've heard generally, right? So some people are saying, oh, you can't play the game because then uh, you're transphobic. Or, no, I just want to play the game because I like the game. And it's just, it's causing a lot of discourse. But here's, here's the actual, here's the actual too, right? This is the actual thing. The only reason why J.K. Rowling um, probably put that statement out is because she's not actually getting a cut out of the game. Okay? She's not getting any profit off of it because it's like under a different, like, it's like signed off of a different thing or something. I don't know, some legal technicality. But if she, even if she is getting money off of it, she's not getting much. Uh, that's what I can gather. And um, so it's like, it, okay, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a tough issue because um, some people agree, some people don't. But I just think a lot of people who are taking offense of the game is. I think you're just trying too hard, mate. Like, you're trying so hard to look liberal. You're trying so hard to look woke and you're, like, this this good person that you're just taking the fun out of it. Half the people who play the game don't even know Harry Potter. Like, don't even, like, pay attention to Harry Potter itself. Or, the, or even if they do, they don't know about the author. Like, they don't really care about that. Um, and they just want to play the game because the game is sick. The game looks cool. But now you're, now these people are like these YouTubers or like Twix, Twi the Twitch streamers are uh, just trying to vibe, right? Uh, reviewing this game that they find cool. And then suddenly they're being attacked by these, you know, these people who call themselves fans and calling these people, um, 
horrible names and accusing them to be phobic of things that they aren't actually phobic of. And it's just, it's not right, because people are just doing it for the game. People can also argue that, oh, these are just care, these are just people who are being willfully, willfully ignorant, you know? Because you're supporting a franchise that J.K. Rowling, um, created. And I'm like, okay, wow. Wow, first of all. While I can see what you're trying to say, do I, how do I know you're, you know, backing up your words? You know, you say this as if you care so much about it. You tweet about it, you comment it on YouTube videos or whatever, as if you care so much about it. But I guarantee you that you don't actually. You're just getting caught up in the hate of it all. You're getting caught up in the fact that um, this is a hot topic discussion and you like fighting people. Just tell me you don't have a life. Like, actually, no, you don't have to because your discussion, like, or your arguments that you are so sure of that you're defending sucks. Like, because give me something actually more sound. If you actually care about something, and obviously this is a hot take, and some people kind of, like, disagree with me uh, because I am sort of insulting you. Um, And if you do, come at me, I guess. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But no, what I'm saying is if you actually cared so much, why don't you get off of Twitter and actually go to the, um, like, the ticketed events, um, that she does, or, like, the, uh, the movie, like, the movies, or, you know, the things that she actually gets a cut out of, right? Like, why don't you go to those places and actually, um, actually stand outside and protest, you know? Why don't you actually email her? Why don't you actually, like, do something more than just comment on these innocent, like, people, like, Twitch streamers, innocent YouTubers who are just, uh, doing a review of a game that they like, or not even a review, just, like, playing a game, uh, like, on live or something, and just hating on them for no reason. Why? Because you can. And let me tell you why I know for a fact that you don't do that. Because going on Twitter and tweeting something only takes you five minutes. Whereas going to a ticketed event that is, that where JK Rowling actually gets a cut out of takes time. You actually have to drive there or in this case, like fly or something. And you actually have to stand outside in front of people, like in real life, where people can actually talk to you outside of your screen. And, you know, people will argue with you, you know? And that takes too much effort for you, doesn't it? And even if you don't want to do that and it's impossible, why don't you actually email her yourself? You know, why don't you do something other than attack these people that have honestly no issue with you whatsoever? Ugh, sorry. Sorry. That, um, I get a little hundies sometimes. Uh, because just some people, some, some of these trolls, man, I swear, they like, they peeve me so much because you know that they've got no life whatsoever. And I'm not targeting everyone, of course, that disagrees with the game and stuff like that. You could actually have solid points, but so far I haven't heard any um, that I agree with at the moment. Uh, and um, Or some of you just may not know at all and you're just following the trend, uh, which I'm not saying is good or bad. I mean, do whatever you want. Just stop, just stop spreading such negativity. Some people just want to play a game because they want to play a game. It's that simple. You don't know anything about the creator, um, and you just want to live your life, right? And again, I'll say this again, J.K. Rowling probably doesn't even make that much money off of this, if she is. But from what I've heard, she doesn't make any money at all off of this game. And I think she's just salty that she's not getting money off of it, and she wants to deter as much people from playing it as possible. So really, by not playing this game, you're just, you know, falling right into her trap. Anyway, that's enough about J.K. Rowling, because, um, 
you know, that's a that's a hot potato I don't really want to hold anymore. Um, I want to go back to Harry Potter. And just, ugh, I want to talk about how well, like, you can bash on her as much as you want as a person. Like, I don't care about that. But I do want to praise her uh, creativity and intellect in terms of, like, creating this world. Because she created an entire new magical system and world. And this goes for all fantasy fantasy authors, right? It's just amazing how you can think of these things. Because I, I can't for the life of me do that. I, the best I can do is write fan fiction off of, like, worlds that you've already created, but I can't do that. Um, because you create this world that so many people love so much that they want to make their own interpretations or they want to expand off of your own, like, things, right? I've read fanfictions, like, that's why I, I enjoy fanfiction so much, because it, like, not just because, like, it brings people together, but also because you see how different fans take these things, like the whole house elf thing, like how some house elves feed off of magic instead of the whole thing where only Dobby was the one who wanted to be freed or something, or, like, um, how some people believe that Hogwarts is, like, a living building that has a will of its own and some people um go more into the political er uh, like area and go to that side of harry potter um what it's like to be the minister of magic like maybe harry potter becomes minister of magic or something or what if harry potter was a dark lord and then they explore their own dark spells that you know jk rowling never actually explicitly expressed and it's just oh it's just so amazing to see this new web of like of the same world created and that's where where headcanons come from right there's an idea that someone made that was so good so well done that everyone genuinely believed it and half of the things that i said in this probably aren't even actually canon because i i don't know most of these things are just so widely accepted in fan fictions or just like in fan theories in general and people say it as it's fact that i believe that it's fact is is serious black really um harry potter's godfather or am i just you know or is that one of those things that is just accepted as headcanon but yeah no one thing i want to say as well is in the marauders era a lot of people were saying how a lot of people were saying how obviously peter Pettigrew was a traitor to the marauders and everyone's like saying oh they should have betrayed that you know because his animagus form was a rat and rats are like rats are slippery they're they're slimy they they you know they're dirty creatures and stuff like that the thing is, ugh, it's just one of the things that I hate to talk about. No, I love talking about it. What am I saying? No, it's just the things that, that you guys don't understand is no. Peter, like, cause a lot of fan fictions that I read or a lot of fan discussions that I've seen is that Peter Pettigrew was always like the guy on the side. While he was a part of the Marauders, he was, he was sort of like the outcast of the Marauders. Sirius, James, and Remus were closer together than Peter ever was. He's always been the outsider. He's always been one of out there. They should have expected that he was the traitor when they got the tip that one of them would betray one of them. But no, that's not what made it so impactful. That's not what made his betrayal hurt so much. Because Peter Pettigrew had always been a part of the Marauders. He had always been a part of the gang. They grew up together in high school, okay? They did pranks together. They laughed together. They got they got uh, into arguments together. And they explored this part of their life together. When Remus was going through the mill and they found out that he was a werewolf, 
They stuck together with Remus instead of running away and telling the school about it. He wanted to support his friends so much, he became an animagus with with his other friends in order to support Remus in his journey so he wouldn't be the only animal running on the full moon. He did that just as much as Sirius and James did for their animagus. And if being a, if becoming an animagus was such an easy thing, everyone would become an animagus. But it wasn't. It was a hard thing. It was a hard process to do. But he did that, not because he wanted to, but because he did it for his friend. When Sirius was going through his issues with um, the Black family, because the Black family are notorious for always being sorted into Slytherin, but because he hated his family so much, he managed to get sorted into Gryffindor, and he's always been estranged with his family. Peter had been by Sirius' side just as James and Remus had been. They had always seen each other as brothers. They were family. They weren't just friends. They were family. They got in trouble together. They loved together. They laughed together. It had always been together. Which is why when Peter betrayed them, that is why it was so impactful. That was why it hurt so much. That is why no one expected it. Because they were brothers. Peter wasn't the guy who was left out. He wasn't the guy that, you know, you should have expected that he would have betrayed you. No, he was he was one of them. He was someone that they cared for, that they sacrificed their life for, and he them as well. It goes both ways. And for them and to find out that your brother was the reason why your your other brother and sister practically died, he was the reason he was the reason for so many things. Oh, God, I can't, I can't. To think that he was the reason that James and Lily Potter died. He was the spy. Like, can you think... Can you see how devastated that you would be? And Sirius, who had just found out that both his friends had died. And to, like fight off against Peter because he was so blinded by betrayal, hatred, and rage off of this man that he had known for a decade. For what? Only for you to get framed by said guy and to be thrown into Azkaban where you are, you know, mentally tortured every single day by Dementors. He was tortured for years after that as well. For, like, uh, like, how 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 long did he get tortured for? Like 14, 12 years-ish? And he survived. And I think my headcanon is that one of the reasons why he worked it through so much where other people had gone insane, like um, Bellatrix Black, right? Is because he knew that James and Lily would be looking out for him. Like, they knew that he was the only person left who would be able to take care of Harry. And so he was surviving for so long, he held on to the last bits of his sanity just so he could take care of Harry. Only for him not to be able to do that because he died by falling through the veil of death. Ugh, and that hurts. That hurts. Ugh. But as you guys know, I just, I love Harry Potter so much. And I talk about fanfictions a lot because the fanfictions are crazy good. Uh, but yeah, I encourage you guys to check out the game. I'm thinking of getting it myself. I'm just very broke at the moment. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this second episode of uh, Harry Potter. I hope you guys like the two-part thing. Uh, if you guys like 
prefer the only one parts or the two part thing let me know because I'm not quite sure if it's because uh, it's just something that I'm trying out anyway yeah uh, I hope you guys enjoyed and I will see you guys next time thank you all for joining me today on thoughts and theories I hope you've learned something new or taken away something to think about I hope to see you all next time till then this has been thoughts and theories with Asha Ama Asri this podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.